This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. So we started today with the, the rookie kind of virtual minicamp. It started off well. Everyone was there, obviously on time. You know, obviously we'll be a very young team. Everybody was excited. You know, just I told them that, you know, three, my three expectations for them are to make sure that they're, they're prepared. I told them to be prepared, be on time. Actually, one was be on time. Second was be prepared. And third was make sure that we're communicating. I think that I talked to them about, you know, first impressions and how important they are. It's a little bit for, you know, we're in this new system here of, you know, virtual meetings and, you know, how, how are you going to be able to make impressions, you know, during this time of year? Yeah, how do you do that? That's Doug Marone talking about this virtual period, the, the kind of the rookie minicamp over Zoom and Microsoft, uh, however you say it, cloud, whatever it is, uh, Team. that Teams it is. Yeah. That, that's, uh, do we have Microsoft Teams? Do you do stuff on that? Yeah, we do. I actually like it a lot. Do you? Yeah. Uh, I think I got on one call. It's very similar to Zoom and, and the rest of them. Um, how will that work, right? How do you make a first impression? Like, what do you do to stand out? They, they, these guys are missing that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first impressions are important, right? But we all do that. We all kind of sense that. But at the same time, well, that impression, that first impression a lot of time comes, like, in camp on the field or maybe no, an OTA on the field. For sure. I mean, if it was me right now, I'm a rookie or someone or trying to make a good first impression, I would have, uh, I'd go on Amazon. I would buy uh, a bench and I would buy uh, a barbell and I would put... 225 on and I would be lifting the entire time during the meeting to show that even when I'm in a meeting uh, with Doug Marone or somebody else that I'm all in and I'm working out 24-7. Well, there you go. So uh, I would do to make a first impression. Uh, that would be good. Yeah. Uh, we'll get uh, Doug Marone. Uh, look, let me get your quick thoughts. Uh, Tampa, the joint practices. The uh, Jaguars uh, are going to do that. Yep. You, you've have, We've talked about this, I think, off-air more than on-air uh, about it, but those aren't always the best for players. I mean, they're good because, you know, it adds toughness. Breaks it, up the monotony. It breeds competition. You're going against somebody new. So, like, that's great. But it's hard, especially, like, the first practice to kind of gauge what exactly the intensity is, right? Because when I played in Jacksonville, we always went against the Atlanta Falcons, whether it was in Atlanta or they would come here. And it was great and everything, but... You know, I think it was Mike Smith back then, like, he ran practices a different way than we did, right? So when you combine them like that, like, yeah, everyone says go 100%. And truth be told, I always went 100%. But, like, you don't know whether you want to follow through, take someone to the ground. And, like, obviously if a guy, like, pushes you after the whistle, well, then you're going at him full speed. So it's just there's the give and takes, I guess. It's almost like I equate it to you find a new sparring partner in a gym. Right, like if you're a boxer and a MMA fighter, like the first time you spar with somebody, you don't go all out, right? Because like there's there's a respect factor. There. Yeah, yeah. Try to but, feel but, it. Yeah, but out. then sometimes you know, sometimes maybe your opponent goes a little bit too hard that first day, and then you retaliate back, and then it's chaos. So that's what you see sometimes during these training camps, during these um you know joint practices where there's fights and everything, just because there's not a really a written way how to go about things. Yeah, I get it. And, and this is what I've heard. You tell me if uh, um, this is maybe the narrative in a locker room. Mm -hmm. Young guys, they really like it because they think it's an opportunity to show what they've got against somebody else. It's really that first chance. Say you're a rookie, mm -hmm. but even young guys in general, but especially a rookie guy hasn't played much, can turn heads against, well, in this case, might be Tom Brady. Say you're a corner mm -hmm. for the Jags, and they've got a lot of young ones now. And you can make an impression. Pick off Tom Brady in a practice. 
old guys, veteran guys, don't like it as much because they think those young guys amp it up so much that that's what creates some of the hostility, mm-hmm. animosity, and fighting. You know, much to like the media and the fans love when teams start clashing and fighting. Mm-hmm. The players and coaches don't. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've read, at least through talking to some players over the years, especially those veteran guys. They have mixed emotions about it. They see what you just said. Mm-hmm. But they also think some of those young bucks, man, uh, well, in this case, maybe the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, <laughs> would they, they turn it up a notch like where it's not even supposed to be in a practice, even in training camp. Well, listen, if if you're a young guy, like a first or second year guy, and you're still trying to make the team. I mean, this, listen, because the team that you go against, they have to watch that film, too. So if you make a play, you stand out. Now, if you get cut, you have a better chance of getting picked up by a different team, right? So there's a lot of incentive for the guys maybe that are bubbles on the roster, maybe like the first-year guys who are undrafted free agents. There's a lot of incentive to go harder, especially against new guys, new talent, and things like that. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you're absolutely right, but at the same time, I don't feel... I don't feel bad. Like I, I, I'm not gonna tell young guys, well, hey, don't go that hard. I mean, you have to, man. You're, you're trying to secure a job. You're, you're trying to uh, find a way to feed your family. So by all means, go as hard as you need to. But yeah, there's gonna be the vets out there. Obviously, the, the ten-year guys, the seasoned guys, they're gonna say, well, just bump it down a little bit. But keep in mind though, too, those seasoned guys, Brent. There's a lot of pressure on them as well, right? Because when you go against your own offensive line, if you're on the defensive line, like there, there's a rhythm, right? Like even when you're doing, you know, a team inside run, even when you're doing scrimmage, whatever it is, like there's a rhythm, right? Like you go hard and everything, and then now all of a sudden, okay, you're good. You're, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. The, the the main focus is to obviously get to week one healthy, right? Well, when you do the joint practices and you're that seasoned vet, and you you go against like a a guard or a center or a tackle. And also that, that tackle goes a little harder. Like he, he kind of gives you a little extra nudge right there. Well, you're the leader of the team, man. And someone just punked you. So if you're a captain, what are you going to do? You're just going to be like, all right, yeah, we got punked. I'm the captain. I'm supposed to be the leader of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But some guy pushed me after. And you know what? It's all good as long as we're all healthy. Nah, man. If someone punks you like that, you got to punk them back. Simple as that because you're, you're essentially the face of that franchise. You know, you're a captain for a reason. So it is a catch-22 where, yes, the vets do have it made because they've been through this before. But if one of them gets punked even a little bit, you have to show up for your team. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get to Steven on the line in just a moment, Coos. Um, one more thought about this. Marone obviously loves it. Since he's been here, they've done this. Minnesota, coaches, New England. Coaches should love it. Yeah. yeah. New England, uh, and that was a good one, right? Uh, you met him at the AFC Championship game down the road. That was yeah. interesting. Minnesota, uh, Tampa before yeah. here. Am I missing somebody? That's it. No. Was last year Minnesota? No, last year was Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to bring up. So yeah. Baltimore was interesting. Yeah. Well, because they didn't show anything, first of all. That's it. Baltimore's <laughs> facility is unbelievable. Yeah. But one of the reasons, there's two reasons I think he picked uh, Belichick and the Patriots. Physical, okay. fundamental football team. They like that one to be a little physical. Very well coached. Uh, Minnesota, I think the relationship, of course, with the coach helps. I don't know if it had as much to do with the style of play. Baltimore, I think, did have to do with the style of play. Physical of football team. But they also knew the Lamar Jacksons of the world were kind of... Part of the NFL, that run quarterback, that that guy that can give you that element. Well, Mm. the hope was, especially with a Deshaun Watson in your division, was to get some looks on that. Well, they spent a couple of days practicing against Baltimore in August last year. Never saw it. Correct. Didn't do anything. 
because Baltimore and Harbaugh didn't want to reveal anything of what they were doing. Yep. And you get that. But the Jaguars basically went there defensively with a hope of being able to at least see a guy show a little wiggle. Of you course. Know, yeah. Show a little look here or there. Didn't see anything. Nothing. Just power football. Absolutely nothing. Power football. It was, I don't want to say it was useless, but from that standpoint, it was kind of useless that the Jaguars didn't see anything. So it kind of backfired a bit in that sense. Again, I'm not saying they didn't get anything accomplished. Yeah. But I'm not sure they got everything they wanted to get accomplished. So here's the cool thing, though, about Tampa Bay. Okay, because we say it all the time. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the youngest team in the NFL. Okay, they have a lot of rookies on that team, a lot of second-year guys on their team. And where you make your most progress, obviously, is during a training camp. You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, practically, I guess they're going to Tampa, right? Yeah. Yeah, Okay, so so the Jaguars, they're going to travel in Tampa, and you're essentially going to go against, in practice, a team who, let's be honest, Brent, they're... A Super Bowl favorite, I would say, or at least going to the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, they're obviously a playoff favorite, and they're a very talented team. You have Tom Brady, who comes in one of the best quarterbacks, if not the GOAT, if you will. But this isn't like a a Baltimore River situation where it's like, all right, well, we have, have, you know, we have Jackson on our team, so let's go ahead and just, you know, kind of play coy a little bit. Let's not show our hand until Miami, the first game of the season. These Jaguars coming in here, we're not going to show them anything because we don't have to. You know, let's just do the power run football, smash mouth, but let's not show them anything. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers is different because you you don't have a weapon like Jackson. You have Tom Brady. You know what Tom Brady is. He's a great quarterback, man, but he's not something where you're going to evolve an offense around. So what you're going to do if you're Bruce Arians is you're going to throw the full arsenal out there. You're going to get Tom Brady his reps because, let's be honest, coming to a new scheme with new teammates, he has to get acclimated and Brady will go against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, what does that do? What's my point here? Why is it so important? Trey Herndon. You spent a first-round pick on Trey Herndon. C.J. Henderson. I, I'm, so what am I talking about? Yeah, hello, C.J. Henderson. But Trey Herndon as well. But, yeah, the, the, the secondary in general. Yeah, in secondary general. in general. Yeah. It's a good thought. But C.J. Henderson, thank you. Um, the first-round pick. You know, the, the the guy that you maybe reached out a little bit on, right? And maybe a guy who's not going to get his full reps, obviously, in rookie camp or in OTAs or whatever like that. Well, he's going against Mike Evans. He's going against Godwin. Okay? Some of the best wide receivers in the league. Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Bright, O.J. Howard. Jags have a chance to look pretty silly on defense, actually, in that pr- couple oh, no, of practices. But, but here's my point, though, man. <laughs> O.J. Howard, Cameron Bright, Rob Gronkowski, a murderer's row, if you will, of tight ends. Well, what's been the Jaguars' Achilles heel the past couple years? The tight end play. So essentially what you're doing is you're acclimating your young guys to stop some of these great receivers. You're acclimating your, your guys on defense where the Achilles heel has always been the tight end. Like, this will only make the Jaguars better. It has to, right? Or else, what are you doing it for? And I get it, Brennan. I agree with you. It might look ugly, right? That, that first practice might be, ooh, you really picked them to win seven wins? Ugh. Good luck with that, Brent. But at the same time, it's practice, okay? And you can't put everything into what you see at practice, but I'm going to put into it the fact that these players will get better from having practiced with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A couple more quick thoughts. I think what it does, potentially, is take away the, right away in this NFL world where you do have rookies, you have the C.J. Hendersons, mm-hmm. the LaVisca Chenault, yeah. it, you can't get any more eyes wide open than seeing Tom Brady on the other side of that field with you. Yeah. You know? So at, at least get that out of the way. Get it out of the way. And and it'll be different. Preseason to the, the regular season is totally different. Of course. Everybody says that. But at least you get that part out of the way. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the Jags are not going to line up with anyone here that they're like, oh, my gosh, that's Gardner Minshew. I don't think they're going to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They will do that in Tampa that day. Correct. Like, whoa, 
Yep. That's the goal. Exactly. And I think it also has a chance to benefit Minshew a little bit by picking up on just small things. Maybe maybe have a small conversation with Brady sure. here or there. You mm-hmm. know, coming out. I, I believe Bortles did that. I, I remember coming out of that 17 year uh, in that August when we were up there in Foxborough, and it wasn't like these long conversations. Not like they went to school. Uh, you know, but like, it was yeah, more just. Aren't, aren't, I got to watch to after. Yeah, I got you. how he operates, how he practices. Mm-hmm. You're watching the greatest of all time practice. Yeah. You know, and I think that was good for yeah. the entire Jags team. It was good for Bortles at the time. I think it will be good for Minshew at the time to see that. One last thought on the joint practices. I'm a little surprised. I'm surprised in this climate with the COVID-19 and everything so present and all the contingency plans being made and wondering if there is even going to be football and how is it going to be played, that teams would actually even look into this and set it up. Now, I guess it's easy just to cancel. Correct. But I was just a little surprised. I didn't anticipate it this year. I thought they might just be like, all right, we're just going to kind of stay at home. We don't know what the situation will be like. But, again, it's a phone call to say we're not coming or we're not going to do it this way. I, I get it. It's a, it's easy. It's simple. Yep. Um, so I love the idea that the Jags will do that. I like when they do. It gives us a change of pace, too. Yeah. Uh, and this is a quick trip over to Tampa. But um, I was a little bit surprised that they are doing it or it was announced right now, given the situation and the climate that we're living in. Yeah, I think right now the NFL's kind of on the standpoint, though, Brent, where they're just like, it's business as usual, right? Like, you haven't really seen them go above and beyond and say, you know what, we might make some changes here in a couple months or so. Like, I think right now it's Roger Goodell's goal and it's the NFL executive's goal and the owners and everybody just to act like nothing's happening, okay, and just to kind of, like, carry yeah. on with business. So I think that's where, you know, the joint practice has come from. Yeah, and again, it's fine. I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going over the top here. I'm just saying I, I just was a little uh, surprised that that came out. I'm not surprised. Marone wants to do that stuff. I get it. Mm-hmm. And this one makes sense. It's just right across the, the state uh, against Tampa. All right, Stephen uh, has been hanging around, uh, talk schedule a little bit. We're going to ask the question, uh, who will be the best team in the AFC South this year? Who do you think? Uh, that coming up in just a moment. But first, let's get to Stephen on a Friday. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. What's happening, man? Hey, not much. How about you guys? We're good. Beautiful day. All right, Austin, I need your help. You're a great preacher. I need you to preach it for me. Okay. People are saying nonstop on Twitter, on chat, that the Jaguars are garbage, they have no talent, but you've been out on the field. Teams all over the league have talent on their team, but if they can't play as a unit, they may have all the talent in the world. They're going to play like garbage. Let's say Schobert coming to the defense is the miracle key that we needed, brings the defense together as a unit to play, and be New Sac City. I like that. Go on. Could you see them winning and playing better if Gardner, with all his constancy gained last year and the trust with his players, makes the offense play like a unit? Can't you see them doing better than what you guys projected? That's a great question, Stephen. Thank you for calling in, man. So, yeah, you know, and I kind of mentioned this after we made our, our picks here and our predictions where this is the ultimate year for Gardner Minshew, and it's the ultimate addition. And if you want to come on, come here after the season and say, you know what, was Gardner Minshew the man or not? I want to say, well, you know what, maybe not, maybe he was, maybe he's not, but you know what, but at least the defense had his back, you know, because the offense and defense, they coincide with each other, okay? I'm reminded back in 2011 with Blaine Gabbert, okay? We had a pretty decent defense that year in 2011. A lot of expectations um, to do well because we're coming off a season where we went 8-8, eight and eight, so our defense was primed and ready to play. Blaine Gabbert comes in, and it's three and out, it's three and out, it's three and out, um, until it's just the same story every single game. Mm -hmm. And you know what? 
Like, as a defense, yes, you obviously embrace the opportunity to go out there and play the football game. Let's be honest. That's why you play the game in the first place. You want to go out there and showcase your skills. But when it's three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, and you're tired, man, and, like, the offense can get anything together, there was um there was some discombobulation in that locker room. Yeah, I would say. Okay? Because... A little WTF. Exactly. Because now, on the defense, we're like, well, we're doing our job. Can you guys do something for us, please? You know, can you guys give us a little break? Can you guys go score some points so we can be successful? So with that being said, Stephen, yeah, I absolutely agree. If, if this defense can come out here and establish a dominance, it's only going to help the offense, you know, be successful. And then, and, and if so facto, you win more games. But the big question is right now, and I get it, Joe Schobert, be excited for him. You know, he could be Puzz. Um, he, he could be even better than Puzz, and I understand that. But let's let's be realistic here, okay? We're implementing a brand new defense. We don't really have the time right now to do that because with everything going on, it's, it's hard to do it in zoom calls and things like that. Now, do I say the transition could be easy depending on what the defense is going to be? Absolutely. But I still have to see it to believe it. Okay. Cause what I saw last year on that defensive line and that secondary, it was a very porous defense and you lost Clarence Campbell and you lost, um, AJ Boye. So, there, I get it. You, you you filled some of those holes, but is it going to be enough? We'll find out in training camp. But if the defense can come around, then yes, I think the Jaguars could win some more games. Well, listen, here's the thing uh, in that regard to me, and, and I get what you're saying, but I think from a coach's perspective, uh, I kind of tell my kids this all the time, coaches, I think, want to know what they are getting out of you. Well, we don't know, and to that point, Shad Khan, Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone, haven't known what they're getting out of this Jags football team over the last couple of years. They've been a team of extremes. Like, at this point, I would go for consistent, even if it's average. <laughs> because you have the great 2017 team that was off the charts on the slider, but then you have the disappointment that was off the charts on the other end in 18. And even last year, you had this mix of it. You had the Minshew mania, the comeback against Denver, the incredible play here at the stadium in the end zone that has been floating around, you know, when he finds DJ Chark. Yeah. You, know, you had moments like that. You had this great year from Lambeau. He made everything. And then you had given up 200 yards a game on five different occasions, rushing the football, which doesn't happen in the NFL. So I think if I'm Doug Marone, and, and even this organization and probably this fan base, just be consistent about something so I know what I'm getting. You're going to have peaks and valleys because it's sports. It's the NFL, especially. But it would be nice to know what this team is. So, like, when you what caught me on that is if you say dominance, I don't know if they have to be dominant. Mm. I don't. I think that's overshooting what this defense probably is and can be, at least on paper. Sure. I don't know if they can be dominant. Let's be honest. I, I, I'm I've got them at seven wins, for crying out loud. But I don't know if I'm going to sit here and say their defense will be dominant. I think they could be a consistent defense that I know what to expect out of them. You know what? They're going to be pretty good against the run. Mm-hmm. At the start. They're, 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 they're going to be able to get to the quarterback at times. And you know what? They're also going to give up some plays and make mistakes because they're young. Mm-hmm. And especially in the secondary, which means, you know what? Those explosive plays that coaches talk about all the time and you don't want to give them up and it's on that whiteboard of goals in every game, don't give this many plays up. Yeah. Well, they're going to give them up. Because C.J. Henderson's going to make a mistake, or Trey Herndon isn't going to stop everybody, you know, so or Jared Wilson's going to miss an assignment back there, mm-hmm. or just can't catch somebody because he's not blazing fat, whatever it might be. Yep. That's the team I expect to show up a little bit. But can you begin with, hey, we're pretty good against the run. We're pretty disciplined. Uh, we're not off the charts talent-wise, which means we're not great, but I kind of know what I'm going to get. 
And I think that would be almost a welcome thing. Uh, for this football team. And then the other side of that's the offense. And the offense is where the slider really can change. Is yeah. Leonard Fournette going to be Leonard Fournette? Is he going to be healthy? Is the offensive line going to be able to block on a fourth and one? Yeah. Is Minshew going to deliver on a consistent way? Can DJ Chark follow? There's so many ifs on offense. But if you can just start with a defense that can keep you around and keep you in games and, and you know what to get out of them, well, I think that's better for Marone. I think it's better for Jay Gruden on how to attack things, when to take chances. And I think, quite frankly, around here, it might be better for the fan base yeah. to be able to, like, all right, I, I mean, I know what this team is a little bit at least. Listen, I think right now, and you brought up some great points, I think right now you would take a top 15 defense all day. Mm-hmm. Okay? Let's let's be honest here. Um, if you're Shad Khan, you know, and let's – listen, I don't know where Shad Khan stands right now and what is going to be, like, I guess the, the leash where, you know – Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell maintain their jobs, all right? But I'm talking more about Doug Marone right now. But if I'm Shad Khan, I'm watching a couple things closely, okay? Number one, obviously the defense has to play better. That's not really, you know, Doug Marone's M.O., but I'm just saying in terms of discipline, okay? Because last year, there was a lack of discipline. There was a lack of guys getting lined up in the proper gaps. There was a lack of guys doing their jobs, and there was penalties, okay? Most penalized team in the NFL last year. If those habits continue on into a new-looking defense, if those habits continue on with a new offensive coordinator, then you know what, man? That's probably the last straw for me, okay? Can't be the, the, the highest-penalized team in the NFL and win ball games. Can't be the highest-penalized you know, team in the NFL with, with, with the roster that we have right now. You just can't do it. And you cannot afford to make mental mistakes like you did last year, okay? Like It's one thing if you're outmanned, outgunned, and the other team's better than you. I'm okay with that. But what I'm never going to accept is the mental errors, and what I'm never going to accept is guys not being lined up properly because you can control those things. Those things are in the realm of every single football player, and we didn't see that last year. So if I'm Shad Khan, I'm watching that with a microscope to see if you see an improvement because if not, man, what do you, what do you want me to say? It's a great <laughs> call, too, because if you think about it, there was a lot on Gus Bradley for that, the lack of discipline, the yeah. lack of accountability, players, coach. Well, you come in, and obviously things go well in 17, but in 18 and 19, you're talking about Tom Coughlin, mm-hmm. the disciplinarian, and this team still looked awful from a discipline standpoint. So was it or is it really about the coaches or what the Jags tried to identify, the makeup of the football team? Mm-hmm. They changed the entire makeup of the football team, and that's what they've done. Now, we'll find out, but you're right on the money there. If that trend continues, well, that that's, that's coaching. Yeah. And, and, and people, by the way, already might say it's all coaching, all coaching, all coaching. I get it, uh, and you might be right. But this will be a good indicator of that because they've kind of flushed out some of that where those problems could occur, Sure, maybe. Some of it's growing pains. I mean, Jawan Taylor looks like a good player, but he did have 15 penalties, I think it was. He's got to clean that up. It's a great point there on, on the that whole discipline, which sometimes drives me nuts, the discipline well, part of it. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying. And to me, it's, it's a combination of things. It's assignments, and it's also then penalties and timely yeah. penalties. Again, you can point to teams that have struggled in penalties but still been successful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean – like turnovers equate to winning. Mm-hmm. Penalties do not all the time. Yeah, But – when you're losing, penalties seem like it's why you're losing. Correct. And listen, I know people in preseason games, you know, there's there's two schools of thought, right? They're useless, get rid of them, and then you can learn something. And, you know, guys are trying to make their roster spots. It is what it is. But I'm, I'm going to say this. Obviously, during this preseason and during these preseason games, I'm watching the defense, obviously. Let's see the kind of wrinkles that they bring. But I'm also watching the penalties. 
and, I, and I'm watching the discipline. And if you're a Jaguars fan, you should do the same thing. Because I'll never forget, I you came noted in that early last year. You did after that Miami Dolphins Miami game. game, and then I think it was like the th- I think it was the third preseason game in a row where they had at least nine or ten penalties. Yeah, you were and, ticked. And, well, and I said, listen, I go, I get it's the preseason, and I get it, you have some guys that are young and are going to make mistakes. But this is starting to be an identity of who you guys are right now. All right, it's one thing to have one bad game where you know guys' minds aren't in it. Whatever the reason is, you're entitled to have a bad game. You know, everyone has a bad game. Let's be honest. But to go over and over and over again and keep you know accumulating penalties after penalties, no, that's that's not just a bad game. That's who you guys are. And what do we see the entire season? Penalties. Yeah, okay, it played so out that way. I'm going to be watching very closely. To the defense, number one, to obviously Gardner mentioned number two, but also the discipline and how many penalties they can attribute to each game because if it's going to be in the 10 range again every single game, I'm going to be honest. I might change my number back down to four or five and <laughs> six, and I'm being serious. Hey, we got to get out of here uh, and take a break, but a quick thought. Uh, in the practices with Tampa, mm-hmm. do you think the Jags will showcase stuff? If they move to a 3-4 a little bit, will they showcase that, or will they do what Baltimore and some of our teams do and hide it? Because See, everybody's so scared in the NFL. No, they are. They're, they're the I most know, paranoid people like in the world is yeah. the NFL coaches. So bad. Listen, to me, you have to showcase it, right? Because it's a great opportunity to go against a high-powered offense, and you want to see what you have on defense. So if, if I'm Todd Wash, I'm showcasing everything. I, I'm, I'm going to treat this week like like a game plan. Literally, I'm going to look at their personnel, and I'm going to tailor my defense around that because it's that important, Brent. Okay? Like, the, the the luck that you have to go against the Tampa Bay offense, who might be the number one offense in the entire NFL, like you have to take prime advantage of that. So I would showcase everything. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do uh, just that. By the way, we're doing senior shout-outs uh, here on ESPN 690. You can uh, submit for your senior at uh, ESPN690.com. So let's get a shout-out in heading into the weekend here on a Friday on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN690 to Jordan Rogers. No, not the one I interviewed uh, a couple weeks back <laughs> from The Bachelor. This one from yeah. Ed White High School. Andrew and Michael Rogers are uh, his parents, and we are proud of you. Go Navy! Sounds like it's headed to the Navy. Uh, nice. Good for you, Jordan Rogers from Ed White High School as we salute the seniors also want to let you know uh, you can you can make your submission on espn690.com also uh check out cbs 47 and fox 30 every night and also all weekend long on action sports shacks primetime 10 30 on fox 30 11 30 on cbs 47 and we give a shout out to the seniors as well a little tip of the cap uh action sports shacks on espn 690 rolls on right after this when we come back who wins the afc south who's the team to beat in the AFC South. Is there one? And also want to take a look at Tampa and the Patriots. All right. How do you feel about it? A little bit around the NFL when it comes to schedules and what you predict now that uh, those dates are in order. And doesn't everybody feel good about that? Like, it's like there is an NFL season. The dates are out. I know when it's starting. It's amazing how it kind of turns like a new light bulb on yeah. us, right? I hope everybody's doing well here on Friday. Thanks for hanging out with us on ESPN 690. We'll be right back. You know, for me, uh, you know, there's a comfort level that comes into having a veteran presence in that room, you know, with the the young guys that we have, you know, with with Gardner and and Dobbs and, 
you know, with Jake now, we I feel real comfortable about, you know, where Jay is as the coordinator and a former quarterback and, and Ben as far as their knowledge and things of that nature. But I always think there's part of learning that occurs, you know, outside of your coaches, you know, with the people that are around you. Having done Mike quite a bit when he was coming out of NC State and having a good background with him and, and speaking with Jay and speaking with Ben, I really feel that he's going to, you know, help our football team. That's Doug Marone earlier today talking about uh, his newest quarterback. Now there's four in the room, Mike Glennon. Yeah. Remember now the Jags drafted Jake Luton. They're going with Gardner Minshew. Uh, now everybody believes it. And <laughs> welcome aboard. Joshua Dobbs says, "Well, is on the roster, and and I think you know formidable to compete for that backup spot. A guy, I don't think they want to just let him go. Uh, I don't know who the I don't know if there is a casualty in the right room. There, yeah. yeah, they they invest that fifth round pick. Now listen, they had plenty of picks this year. I, I don't think they're losing sleep over the fifth round pick. Uh, they bought it almost as an insurance policy last year, and I know it didn't work out, and people criticize, but. I, I'm just telling you, I don't think they're keeping him in the roster because of the fifth-round pick. Okay. I, I get it why that's reasoning. I thought it was valuable to keep him through last year, and it looked like it, just in case they didn't sign another veteran guy, they would have him on the roster. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if you get to August and September cuts uh, and you say, well, we just can't let Dobbs go because we invested well, a fifth-round pick. I, I don't think that would be part of the thinking from inside the building. Let me ask you this, though. So you invest in a sixth-round pick in Chris Luton, all right? And like I get it because most likely he'll he'll be on the practice squad, right? And like I don't I don't foresee another NFL team coming in and trying to scoop him up right away, right? Like because you know you always have you the luxury. Put him on the roster, yeah, yeah, put him on the roster then. So I think he's gonna make the practice squad. But like if the plan the whole time was to get a backup quarterback in here, you know, because obviously that that was in discussion, you know, probably some an older vet talk about Gardner Minshew. Well, then wouldn't you have rather seen him spend the pick? And I get the the running back depth wasn't there in the later rounds. But wouldn't you want to take a chance on a running back and just, hey, I don't know, it's a six-round pick. Let's just let's take a shot in the dark and see what we got. Listen, I um, I don't disagree. I mean, if you go back to our draft coverage, I said that's a head-scratcher to me. I don't yeah. get it. I, I don't get the six-round pick. I don't know what it does. You must really feel like you're getting value here. And, and some people did. Some people, a lot of people applauded that pick. But be honest, though, they applauded it because they don't believe in Gardner Minshew. Well, that might, that might be true. Yeah. But they applauded the pick because I think some like him. Now, some people sure. don't. I, I just thought it was kind of what you said. I, I, I thought it was a little bit of a head-scratcher. Mm-hmm. But if you if you go back and look now, they also spent their seventh-round pick on a punt return guy, basically, or kick return guy. Sure. So they had that amount of picks to be able to do it. And then they might have been comfortable. You know, by that time, you know how this works. By the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you know who you're signing as a free agent. You know who you have. You feel good about a couple running backs coming in, and maybe they felt that way. Again, I don't disagree with your thought. I, I kind of, I'm just trying to find the sense in it myself. No, yeah, uh, and and you take a shot at quarterbacks, and now they've got some. They invested a fifth round pick. They've invented, invested two six round picks on guys. One has turned out to be their franchise guy at least for 2020, and and now this will be a very moderate deal for Mike Glennon. Who's been around? I don't mind the veteran presence. Uh, you know, I, I would have been very happy to end with Andy Dalton in here, not because Andy Dalton was a nine-year guy and 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 I thought he was unbelievable and was going to push Gardner Minshew. I thought he'd come in here with the idea of being a backup as well. Mm-hmm. But I just like the veteran presence around a young QB room. I don't know Glennon enough for that. I don't know if I feel. I definitely don't feel the exact same way I would have about Dalton because Dalton's familiarity with Gruden as well. But. Whatever, an older guy, another voice in there. I don't think it's a bad thing. You have a young QB room. 
if you look at the experience in the NFL in that QB room, it is minimal. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind the concept of it. Uh, I, I guess is is uh, the best way. How do you, to say? How do you feel about Mike Glennon coming in though? I mean, like, does it do anything? I mean, again, it's just adds yeah, a voice. It's, just, it's yeah, a voice more than a football player. You're, to me. you're completely indifferent, right? Like, and I get it, man. Social media, it's not real. Okay, like people have opinions and everything. There's people out there like, well, why don't you get Cam Newton? Then why don't you get Cam Newton? And I don't know how many times I have to drive this point home for people to understand. Once again, I feel humbled because obviously we're not reaching the masses, Brent, like I thought we were. But in terms of Cam Newton or a backup quarterback, whoever you bring in, they will not make a difference for this season, okay? They will not turn the ship around and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I think we're Super Bowl contenders now. It's not going to happen. And I'm going to say it doesn't happen with Cam Newton either. Like, you think Cam Newton's going to be the savior of the Jacksonville Jaguars? There's 31 other teams that have a chance to get Cam Newton right now. And there's some teams that are desperate for a backup quarterback, number one, or even a starting quarterback. And they haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. So what, you think Jacksonville's just naive and everybody else knows what they're talking about? No, man. It's just, listen, I think Cam Newton's a great quarterback. I think he's he's had a lot of great years. But to say he's going to come in here and turn around a franchise, you're naive, man. You're you're naive and you're not buying into Minshew. You know how I feel about that already. So it's just it's crazy to me, Brent. Well, it, there's two things, okay, on the quarterback front, and one is, I love how people would say if you had signed Jameis Winston or Cam Newton, then I wouldn't. Th- th- they didn't say this blatantly, but this is what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Then, well, at least you're not tanking. I wouldn't claim you're tanking if you sign one of those two. What? But does it make you any different than a six or seven or potentially eight win team? I mean, does it? Are either one of those guys, have they shown the ability to do that with what you think is on the roster? Mm. And so people, uh, I got the latest one right before the show today. It's like, well, at least bring in competition for Minshew. Well, you're not getting this then. The idea is to see what you have in Minshew. Yeah. He went six and six. That's what this year is about. And, and somebody brought up a great point on Twitter, and I'm sorry I'm not going to give you credit for it. But why is it anybody, this is what they said, and I think it's a very valid point. Daniel Jones yeah. with the Giants, who, by the way, I like. And oh, I thought, I, he's, I, you know, he's first team all Morton right now. Yeah. Why with the Giants not bringing in Winston or Cam Newton, why aren't they doing that, even though he had worse numbers than Minshew last year? But why would you do but, that, Brent? Because but, he's, he's the future. Why would you Why would you try to muddy it? You and know? why are they he's not the getting labeled as a team that's tanking? Because Daniel Jones why, is the future. Why, because they have Barkley? No, nah, because he's the future, Brent. Why would you muddy those waters and bring Cam Newton or Jameis Winston in? Daniel Jones is the future. Is it fair to wonder if the Giants have a better roster than the Jags? Is it comparable? Are they that much better? Are they I'm, better? I mean, you know how I feel about their offense, right? Like, I think yeah. the receiving core is better. Be good. Yeah, I mean, Barkley is obviously they're a game more on changer. The offensive side, yes. Titans. Defensively? No. The defense side, they're still rebuilding as well. So, but I thought it was a fair point on, on social media when it someone said that to is. me. It's like, well, why if they didn't bring Cam Newton in, or there's no rumors of that, are they considered a team that's trying to win? Because why? Daniel Jones was picked in the top ten. You've you said man. that since Thank day you, one. Thank you. And it's been a good point. And it's like people can't get it out of their mind. Yeah. Gardner Minshew outperformed your guy. Mm-hmm. Like, figure that out. He outperformed your guy. I was thinking of this today. Minshew, though 
those pl- couple of plays that are flo- that always float around the Denver play, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, again, who did they were they playing the Texans on the on the Chark play in the corner of the end zone? Remember the one they ran around, ran around, ran around, bought some time, and I think it was the Texans, but I might yeah. be wrong about that. But I think you, you all know what play I'm talking about. There's those a, there's arguably a, yeah. there's a Bengals one too, I think, right? There he ran, ran around and made a play. He might have. Yeah, but I mean, there's a couple. Of them. The, the two that I'm thinking about yeah. that if I've seen them on social media the last couple of days, and could you make the case that those are the two best plays that you've seen from a quarterback in a Jacksonville Jaguars uniform, at least since Brent Martineau's been here in 2008? Sure. Now you're gonna say like the hail mary oh, for 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 Gerard. Oh, yeah. But I'm talking about a QB play. And this is what else I thought. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how many times those plays would be shown on highlight reels if Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson made those plays? Which, by the way, they have made plays similar yeah. to like that. I'm not discrediting them. Of course. But that was those two plays were those kind of plays. Now, listen, Tebow made some unbelievable plays, didn't make him a long-term quarterback in the NFL. Correct. I'm not saying that is the pure sign. But why are we having such a hard time with this? The guy outperformed rookies at the that last year that were picked ahead of him that people have committed to for at least two years, if not three or four years at the at the quarterback position, like unequivocally committed to them and have started building around. The guy has a couple of plays that, in my opinion, last year might be the best QB plays we've seen around here in a decade. Mm-hmm. And we still have to sit here and convince that the Jags are at least taking a look at a guy that might be the guy. Mm-hmm. Why is this so hard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Brent. What were Gardner Minshew's numbers last year again? Six and six. Take the record out of it. And, uh, 21 touchdowns, six picks, I think it was. Or was it nine? I always get that part confused. Six or nine. Okay. Uh, 21 touchdowns. And, and how many picks again? I thought it was six. Yeah, I think it was. You want to go back to Cam Newton's career and find out numbers that are comparable to Gardner Minshew's numbers like that last year? You have to go back to 2015, okay, where Cam Newton clearly played better than Gardner Minshew. Won the MVP. Won the MVP. Besides that, 2016, eh, 19 and 14. 2016, 2017, 22 and 16. 2018, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. 2019, obviously got hurt, one interception. So go and tell me why Cam Newton should come to Jacksonville and take over. Go, go, go ahead and keep go ahead and keep telling me that he's the real quarterback and Minshew's not a quarterback. Go ahead and keep on going on Twitter. Keep keep on going on Jaguars message boards and saying that Cam Newton should be in Jacksonville. Go on and do it. And I'm just gonna I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna use my football prowess. I'm gonna point to the stats. I don't have to use my knowledge of the game of football. All I have to do is look what the guy has done the past five years and then get back to me. Oh, and spoiler alert, he's coming off a Liz Frank injury too. Good luck with that. Cool. What, but if what, you got what are Cam we doing? Newton, well, you're not tanking. Well, how about you have Gardner Minshew? You're know, not man. tanking. Yeah, Why I can't just, you say that? I feel like I'm Gardner Minshew's cousin or agent. Like, wh- we have to sit here and defend Gardner. I'm going to ride with Gardner. All so right? am I, And man. all you're doing is making me bow up a little bit more on Gardner. Oh, that's what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> trust me, man. I, I'm getting I'm getting ready to leave a, a revolution against these Cam Newton supporters, man. Like, I'm all in right now. I'm upset because everyone thinks they know the game of football so much because they had preconceived notions and all this stuff. Just look at the stats. Okay, just take a chance, man. Just see what you got. But no, let's bring Cam Newton. It, it, it drives me absolutely crazy. And 
tell you what, Brent, if, if we're at training camp once again, and I, I've mentioned this before, but when we're at training camp and if there's a national guy or even a local guy that comes up to me, he's like, hey, we should get Cam Newton here for a little competition, I'm going to freak out. Okay? <laughs> uh, I'm going to lose my marbles and I'm going to freak out. I mean, Just to let you know. Listen, I, I, I admittedly have been kind of the guy that would die on a hill. I watched Blaine Gabbert. I, I, let's go back to Garrard. I always thought David Garrard was better than people gave him credit for. Yeah. Like, and, and, and when I said this a long time when in my early years here in Jacksonville, mm. when Garrard is gone, you will say that he was better than you think he is. Because if you go back to like your rookie year, yeah. they, the uh, people around here absolutely just crushed Garrard. I mean, they, they were yeah. so done with it. They, well, were, I'll tell they you wanted what. something else. They wanted the franchise guy. The, they the wanted players this. in that locker room believed in Garrard. Now listen, I'm, and I'm not sitting here putting David on, on a, this pedestal of like one of the all-time greats. I'm just saying he was better than people gave him credit for. And I think, by the way, recent history has shown that David was pretty good, won a lot of football games, made a lot of plays, mm-hmm. did some good things in a Jags uniform. Then you go to Gabbert, and and again, admittedly, I saw the guy throw the football in practice. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love Jack Del Rio for coming on the show a couple of times, I still believe putting him in when he did screwed that guy's career up, mm-hmm. and he couldn't rebound from it. And I think proof has been in the in the pudding now. He wasn't going to be Andrew Luck. He wasn't going to be one of these guys. But I also don't know if he was going to be as bad as he started off and just couldn't recover from yeah. here in Jacksonville. I mean, the guy had no chance after the first well, first year. And and he, listen, by the way, didn't have, at that time didn't seem to have the mental fortitude to overcome that either. Uh, but but um, I don't know if we ever saw some of the gifts or how good of a player Gabbert could have been yeah. if he was in the right situation or used correctly. I think Jacksonville kind of screwed him up. Well, and let me say this right now. And that is not, by the way, don't misinterpret that saying I think Gabbert like, is, should have been way better, all this stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know if he was going to the Pro Bowl and all that. I, yeah. I think he proved that he wasn't that guy. Yeah. He was a bust at, at where he was picked. But I just think Jacksonville kind of helped screw him up early on. No, it did. And listen, this isn't really necessarily my story to tell here, but regarding Jack Del Rio and playing Blaine Garrett over Dave Garrard, I'm here to tell you I haven't been in that locker room and saw what happened the, the day that Dave got cut on the bus and everything. It wasn't Jack Del Rio's call to start playing Gabbard. And it wasn't Jack Del Rio's call to cut Dave Garrard. Okay? Now, once again, I'm not saying it's my story to tell. But there's a lot more to it than just going Jack Del Rio was a big Blaine Gabbard fan and they want to get Dave Garrard out of there. On the contrary. Yeah. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. And by the way, Gabbard was in a – I mean, uh, Jack, as he told us, was in a, a, a buffet line when yeah. that, that call was made. So what I'm assuming is that came from up top. Correct. Uh, with Gene Smith and, and maybe even further up top from ownership, but definitely from Gene Smith. So uh, fair story. Mm-hmm. But uh, here, I'm here to admit to you that I've died on – I was never like um, – I don't think I was that far in on Gabbard. Now, I was in on Bortles, mm-hmm. and I died on the hill of Bortles. Yeah. I saw my my argument with Bortles a lot of times was kind of what people, if you defend Jameis Winston now, make. Now, I know you just laughed at me. You just said you just compared Bortles to Winston. Well, they have similar problems. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They turn the football over. Yeah. But what I would say sometimes about Bortles is there's a toughness about that guy that's respected. He Mm -hmm. plays every snap. You don't have to worry about that. And. I am not going to write off the fact that he's thrown 30 touchdowns just as much as he's thrown 22 picks or turned it over. Yeah. Like, it's hard to throw touchdowns in the NFL. You have to be doing something right. And I think Bortles never got credit for doing anything right. 
Uh, and, and Winston's kind of in that category right now, right? You, you say uh, every time somebody says, well, he threw for 4,000 yards and 30. Yeah, but he threw 30 picks. He threw 30 picks. Well, but he did throw like 30-something touchdowns and lead this, the, the league in passing. Mm-hmm. Like the guy has something good in there. The thing is, can you narrow it down and get rid of some of the bad? That's the big challenge with Winston. We'll find out. Bortles, it always came back to it. Like, yeah. I could die on that hill, and it then, didn't matter because I got proven wrong. If there's one thing I wish about our show, I wish we had our show back then. <laughs> because I would have disagreed with you about Bortles every well, single and day. And you wouldn't have been alone, by the way. No, for I, sure. I was but in the like, minority we, on it. I know, and, and as you should be. And but by the way, we I was wrong on yeah, it. I mean, yeah, I got proven listen, wrong man, on yeah, it. Right? You, you know what? You, you, you had a stance, and I can see where you're coming from. But I'm just saying we would have went back and forth. And I'll say it like this. Like, Bortles had a great year in 2017, Right. And, yes, he did throw a lot of touchdowns. And I make the argument of a couple of things. Number one, I say I make the argument of, like, well, how do those touchdowns look? You know, like, were they a lot of jump balls? I mean, were they were they skillful throws, whatever like that? But at the end of the day, and I always say this, Blake Bortles is the only guy ever in the history of football to make me swear in front of my TV in front of my family. Okay? When he, when he threw, I think it was against the Houston Texans. forgot what year it was, but he threw, like, his third pick six in a row, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. And I dropped the biggest F-bomb ever. And my wife looked at me, asked, who, 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 who am I? And then my son looked up and, what, what was that, Dad? Huh? Oh, I'm going to repeat it like ten times now. And he started saying it. <laughs> like, that's on Blake Bortles. So I, I can never be a big Blake Bortles supporter because he changed the way I, I viewed the game of football. I think, by the way, Bortles to me, and I think this happens to some of us, and, and Minshew might be in this category from a fan perspective. I'm saying from a media, he's such a good dude, you want him to be good. Yeah. You know, you want him to be successful. Yeah. And, and you know, by the way, around here, we're desperate for somebody to be successful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hook your hat to somebody. Yeah. Well, so sorry, Gardner. I hope you're not listening to the show, but I've been wrong on a lot of quarterbacks. <laughs> so it might be better if hey, I doubt you. Hey, don't worry, though. The the QB whisperer is here, and I got you back too, Gardner. <laughs> don't worry about era. it. Yes, yes. So here we are, and I'm just... I, I just don't get the difference. If you the start of this segment was from Glennon to Minshew, the national guys finally get it. Why can't other people get it? And Cam Why Newton's can't not you here. ride with this guy yeah. and give him a shot to, to be the guy? Other franchises are doing it with the guys that performed less mm-hmm. uh, last year. Simple as that. And I just saw him make a couple of plays at the quarterback position that I haven't seen in Jacksonville since I've been here. I can at least attach myself to that. Let's see what the kid's got. And now let's see what he's got. He's got a chance to prove it in 2020. Man, he got all fired up. I'll get to the AFC South and the Patriots <laughs> and the bus later, I guess. Uh, we I got an tell, hour to go. I can tell these UFC breakdowns are getting cut for a time, yeah, but it's no, we'll all good, man. We'll get yeah, to yeah. it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It rolls on next.